0: Yeah. Okay. All right, so we should
1: pick it together. Okay. But night is? it's wrong. That's that's red right, so Okay. When it's or when it's be on here. Yeah. Okay. So right now it's not Okay, so now I should put it on right for it to be working, right? Do you want them to ask questions? No, not now. Oh, so you should have them here. OK. And you see the mics are red. OK. When they are green, they're right. on. Right. Right. OK. All right, no problem. Mm-hmm. All right, no problem. Mm-hmm. OK, that's fine. Oh. <laughs> what you have to get this even, you know, OK? Well, a lot of people are just already. Some people say, kind of some student, both they're still up there, We hope and go on the And people are going to be online. Let me start it again. Yeah. I'll go you. Yeah, so I'm going to go through the entire program, you know, explain some visiting, go through the overview, and then I will call you for the introduction. And then we're having two other areas to talk. Okay. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. So we are about to start this event. Um so I'm Ambala Johnson, a research associate here at John Hawkins and program coordinator between the John Hopkins and the International Institute of Primary Health Care in Ethiopia. So today I'm humbled to guide you through this event. Um, we are pleased to welcome everyone to this important event. Today in person and people who are on Zoom. And uh, thank you for taking your time out um, of your busy schedule to attend this important event, to listen to our guest speaker. Dr. Feward Gatu, and she is the acting uh, executive director of the International Institute of Primary Health Care in Ethiopia. And arguably, because I work with her, she is a profound uh, public health leader, and she is contributing immensely to the growth and development of the primary health care system in Ethiopia. So we highly appreciate everyone presence here, and we hope to drink from the fountain of knowledge from Dr. Fewan. and uh, so Dr. Ferwan, you yeah, are welcome to John Hawkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. So before presenting uh, the overview of the entire event, I would like to appreciate the African Public Health Network uh, leadership team uh, who made this event successful. This could not have been uh, possible without shared contribution of creating a forum for the exchange of ideas information and experiences training research collaboration related to public health issue of special concern to africa and the african population so going through the program agenda we'll have a 10 minute overview of um the African Public Health Network will be done by the president, that Ifoma uh, Wendy, I'm sorry, I mispronounced your name. And then the, the introduction of the guest speaker will be done by Hurt, who is the principal investigator of this project. And um, we'll have um, our guest speaker, she'll be given 20 minutes to do her presentation. And uh, we have question and our superior. So if you have questions, if you on Zoom, you have questions, we, we will you know, we'll give you the opportunity for you to ask your questions. And then we'll also have uh, opportunity remarks that will be done by Michael again. And from there, we'll have a close remark done by our dynamic uh, faculty advisor, who is Bill Beaker for the African Public Health Network. And the last but not the least, that is the Coalition of Food and Networking. So at the moment, I will welcome the person of the African Public Health Network for an overview of the African Public Health Network.
0: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here. Um, And thank you, Dr. Ambalai and all those who have made this event successful. Uh, my name is Dr. Yifoma Wigwe and I am the current president for the African Public Health Network. Um, I just would like to give you guys a bit of background. So the African Public Health Network is a student faculty-run association, which was established in May 1991 at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And so APHN was formed to create a platform that voices and raises concerns um, about the status of public health problems and their socioeconomic dimensions in Africa. This platform would also provide um, professional and social global networking um, between public health professionals that share a common interest in achieving a quality and equitable um, healthcare in Africa. So to this end, members include students, alumni, healthcare professionals, and all those who are interested in African public health matters. And ultimately our um, mission is to create a forum to exchange ideas, experiences, training and research opportunities related to public health issues of special concern to Africa. And this is why we're here today um, in this great um, opportunity to learn from our guest speaker, Dr. Farut, about opportunities that can be um, pursued at the International Primary Health Care of Ethiopia. And so with that, I will turn it over to um, Mike.
1: Uh, Thank you ever so much for that brilliant overview. That was very excellent. Uh, Now we'll call our peer, Mike. Mike will give an introductory remark of the guest speaker.
2: Thank you, Ambalai. Greetings to you all. Um, And it's really a privilege to both be um, able to work in collaboration with the International Institute for Primary Healthcare in Ethiopia, um, and also to be here at Hopkins and get to meet and mentor and engage with many students and, and also collaborate with the um, great range and diversity of, of faculty members that we have here at the school who are working on primary health care issues. So thank you to those of you who are joining us in person. I know we're all sort of coming out of our COVID shells and and trying to figure all of this out. So it's really nice to see everyone here. And um, thanks to everyone who's joining us via Zoom as well. Hopefully we'll hear from you later in the session. So, um, and thanks to the Public Health Network and to Ambuli for organizing this event and and bringing everyone together and for creating this forum for um, networking and, and information sharing and figuring out um, ways that we can um, move forward collectively with some of the complex public health issues that we're facing. Um, I am honored to be able to introduce my friend and colleague, Frehiwut Um She is the executive director of the Institute um, in Ethiopia. Um, she's a medical doctor by training and also has an MPH uh, from Ethiopia and um, has been working for a number of years, both within the Ministry of Health on USAID projects Um, and brings such a wealth of experience um, working um, with different stakeholders, working at the community level, and then also really working at the policy level to bring together um, different stakeholders, figure out how to address uh, primary health care challenges in Ethiopia and beyond. And I think one of the really unique um, aspects of the Institute, which I'm sure she will speak more to, is that It's both deeply embedded within the government and within the public sector and and working on the Ethiopian um, primary healthcare system and trying to support the workers and so many different aspects of that program. And it also has an outward facing mission. And so working to build networks across Africa um, and really bring together uh, people who can both learn from Ethiopia's wealth of experience and also contribute to it. Um, So I think uh, Frehiwot is uh, an example of sort of a member of of our generation who's really taken on a challenging and um, exciting and really important leadership role, um, and who can be um, a a role model and uh, Um, an inspiration for many of us. So thank you for coming to Baltimore and thank you for taking your time uh, on a Friday afternoon to share with the students and talk a little bit about some of the exciting work that's happening at the Institute. So welcome to you, Frehiot, and over to you.
3: Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Thank you, Maika, for such a warm introduction. Uh, and thank you, Ambule, for organizing this, and thank you, uh, the network, for having me as well. So, uh, I don't think I, I need to introduce myself further, but I'm, I'm uh, very happy to introduce the institute that I work for. Uh, it is uh, called the International Institute for Primary Healthcare in Ethiopia. And this institute was founded by the Ministry of Health in Ethiopia in 2016 alongside uh, a side event that was organized by the African Union, UNAIDS and Ministry of Health uh, on HIV. And uh, there were 200 participants where we had uh, more than 16 uh, health ministers from African countries. And the rationale during that time was there was a significant demand from different African countries to learn from uh, the health extension program, which is a community uh, health program in, in our country and uh, there was this demand to learn from uh, that successful program because it enabled or it it helped the country uh, achieve most of its millennium development goals during that time and there was also a global uh, movement about primary health care that was happening uh, concurrently at that period and <clears throat> so to to lead this uh, uh, primary health care uh, movement and, and share experience. The institute was funded, founded and we are funded through the Gates Foundation and we function through the technical support from the John Hopkins Bloomberg uh, School of Public Health. And the vision is to become a global center of excellence in primary healthcare uh, with the mission of proactively engaging and driving uh, advancement of primary healthcare policy making and programming so that uh, we can, you know, uh, <clears throat> help countries achieve universal health coverage so we have different core values that we uh, we treasure as an institute the first one is strengthening and disseminating uh, evidence base for primary health care we focus on uh, problem solving around most of our programs including training uh, implementation research and and uh, advocacy and partnership uh, since we provide uh, different programs for countries outside of Ethiopia, we are culturally and contextually sensitive. And in, 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 in doing so, we want to empower our uh, our stakeholders, including our trainees, uh, to exploit their skills and and knowledge and implement primary health care. Uh, we also value stewardship, and we want to be. Uh, we want to deliver uh, the highest maximum uh, uh, quality uh, training programs and different, uh, you know, uh, capacity building programs. We have uh, a capacity building on training, knowledge generation and management, uh, advocacy and partnership, monitoring and evaluation and also uh, dissemination have of uh, evidence and best practice as our uh, core competency. This is our theory of change. I'm not going to talk in detail about the theory of change, but this is what the organization is based on. So we have a lot of problems that we have identified around primary healthcare, around policy implementation and, and program design. And uh, through our different approaches and, and uh, interventions, we would like to attain improved access and quality to create resilient uh, and responsive primary health care system for better and improved health outcomes so i'm not sure whether you you can see it this is our uh, organogram so we have currently 16 uh, staff members but we have uh, a lot of uh, consultants that we bring on short-term basis uh, we also have an internship program every year where we bring uh, around five interns to attach to the institute for six mar- months period of time. So this is what we all look like. We might have a couple of staff members missing from here. Um, we have four uh, major strategic themes. Uh, this was what Micah was mentioning earlier. Uh, we have a national primary health care support program where we provide support to the Ministry of Health. Uh, in terms of capacity building on primary healthcare leadership and also program uh, implementation, uh, program documentation, and best practice documentation, uh, we try to mirror that in our global primary healthcare support, where uh, we provide capacity for other low- and middle-income countries. So this capacity building is is bidirectional, as we. Uh, share our experience, we also want to learn from countries coming to uh, our institute and share that with the Ministry of Health so that they can, you know, strengthen and, and, and uh, uh, modify their primary health care uh, systems. Uh, the other is the knowledge generation and management where, where we implement different, uh, uh, where we support the different implementation research programs and collaboration with academia across the country. Uh, The last is the advocacy and partnerships. So we advocate for uh, ourselves as an institute because we are a young institute, it's only been five years. We also advocate for primary healthcare uh, as as the engine driving uh, the the road to universal health coverage. So we think, we believe that primary healthcare should be at the front and center of our uh, health system programming. So this was this is the journey that the institute has passed through the from the establishment until now. Uh, so in 2016 we were set up as an organization, an international advisory board was established where we have uh known experts, world-known experts on primary healthcare sitting in that advisory board. Uh, we uh, Established resources center, and we we started hosting countries. We designed different leadership programs. Started disseminating research, and in twenty nineteen, uh, COVID happened. <laughs> uh, so. We had to repurpose some of our our uh, approaches so this is where we started setting setting up an online learning management system because most of our capacity building program and south to south collaboration based on was based on face-to-face interaction and and actually bringing in delegates from other countries to to uh the institute so we had to we had to do a a significant uh, change in that regard. So we set up an online training platform. Moving forward, we envision to be a visible global and continental uh, national, uh, 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 a visible global continental national uh, primary healthcare uh, institute where we set our footprint. We also have an aim of being one of the WHO collaborating centers uh, in Africa for primary healthcare. Uh, where there are no uh, WHO collaborating uh, centers for primary healthcare in Africa at the moment. There are different collaborating centers, but for other activities and endeavors. We also have a plan to establish local regional hubs. So to walk through so- some of our achievements, we managed to get 124 participants from different countries uh, and organizations, mostly African countries, and uh, that's where, they came through a delegation team so we had a total of 19 delegation teams uh, there were participants from minister of minister of health un agencies uh, cdc world bank and implementing partners as you can see the sex distribution is that uh, uh, almost uh 51.3 percent of them were female and i will uh, you will see in my next slide why this is of an importance so this is these are examples of the countries that participated in our uh, uh, experience sharing or capacity building program. This is uh, our online COVID-19 course. So when, when COVID uh, um, came into picture, we thought about like not only giving primary healthcare related training program is relevant, but we have to give a timely uh, training uh, uh, to our audience. So we blended, uh, or we merged the topic primary healthcare and COVID 19. So we are providing uh, uh, an online training on leveraging primary healthcare systems for COVID 19 response. We are on the third iteration now. We have version point 3.0 uh, launched and officially live, uh, and, and we have a plan to uh, continue that. This is also another virtual endeavor that we managed to do uh, uh, around urban primary healthcare. So we did a webinar series where different countries uh, shared their experience. It was a tripartite uh, webinar, and uh, we have finalized this webinar, but we have a one-year webinar that we are planning to, uh, to do over the next year. So that webinar series is also upcoming. So this is the national capacity building program where we do capacity building in Ethiopia for uh, healthcare providers, regional health bureau leaders and district health officers. And we trained around 420 participants. And now you can see the sex distribution when it comes to Ethiopia. So we only had 13.4% of them participating in this training. And we have a cross-cutting gender uh, gender uh, equity strategy that we implement to uh, bring gender parity in our programs the other uh, training program is the leadership incubation program where we incubate uh, trainees uh, for six month period of time these are the components of the training program it has problem solving projects leadership courses coaching networking shadowing and psychometric, psychometric assessment and we we have uh, trained around 15 participants uh, uh, who graduated from this program for two rounds, and we are uh, we are training the we have recruited the third cohort now. Um, around knowledge generation, we have a, techn- a think tank group that uh, provides technical support and advice to the ministry. Uh, we did around 15 implementation research that are conducted through our small grant so we provide small grant for academia every year uh, to encourage implementation research so that it can inform uh, policy and programming we did a systematic review of primary healthcare research in Ethiopia we have developed different issue briefs and uh, we have disseminated disseminated that uh, we also did uh, our first ever primary healthcare digest so we do this every year and uh, we collaborate with different organizations on research around health system covid19 primary health care we documented the health extension program so this is a program that was started 30 years ago in ethiopia and it has evolved significantly over a period of time so we wrote a book about that and uh Uh, we had colleagues from uh, John Hopkins as editors of this book. This book will be uh, officially available on Amazon and Kindle shortly. Uh, We have around uh, 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 a lot of, uh, you know, branding and marketing material that were developed in in different languages, especially English and French uh, to, to reach our target countries. Uh, we have also used the different local and international platforms to promote the institute. Recently, in collaboration with Last Mile Health, we, we, we launched a community of practice for primary healthcare, uh, and we launched this, this community of practice September uh, 2021. And this is what the community of practice looks like. Uh, it, it will be. An opportunity to to use for advocacy, evidence generation, problem solving, and knowledge exchange. Uh, it will have uh, access to different webinars, workshops, and other virtual uh, events. It will also enable uh, primary healthcare interested prof- professionals to collaborate on projects, joint research, and uh, publications. We have a resource center, uh, an an online resource center, and this is this are in summary the materials that we have we have held the database uh, we have uh, e-journals we have e-learning materials and uh, we have information around different health organization and multimedia and these are the hit counts that we have uh, in this year so this is the performance of uh, this fiscal year uh, our involvement around gender equity, as I have said earlier, it's about integrating gender equity in all of our activities. Uh, we assess gender related gaps and identify best practices in gender so that we can scale them up. Uh, we uh, pursue inclusiveness uh, and inclusive approach to fo- to foster equality in primary health care leadership uh, through a gender policy. So we have a a mandatory criteria that 50% of our participants should be female. So this is how we communicate our uh, uh, collaborators and stakeholders. Uh, We also harness technology and innovation to reduce gender gaps as well. So having that said, let me say a few words about the, the famous health extension program. It is the smallest institutional framework in Ethiopia for achieving universal health coverage. Uh, It increases utilization of services uh, with promotional, preventive and curative health services. It produces model families and communities. It tries to reduce opportunity costs because it's closer to the uh, community and it enhances community engagement and participation in health. Uh, So, the reason why the health extension program was established 30 years back is because of uh, because of the uneven uh, distribution and limited number of healthcare workers in in the country. There were multiple problems around maternal, child health, infectious disease, and environmental health, and there was a limited health infrastructure. So this is how far we have grown. The health extension. Uh, workers were less than 2,000 in 2005, and now we have more than 40,000 health extension workers across the country. The challenge of the program were assessed recently. Uh, uh, A huge national level assessment of the program was conducted and uh, in a nutshell, there were two findings. There were a lot of uh, findings, but in a nutshell, the first one is there is a wider expectation from the community to get more and more service through the health extension program, and there was there was also a, a suboptimal coverage, and there were issues related with quality of service, in terms of infrastructure, commodities, uh, human resource, information system, and uh, leadership and governance. So, basing that, the government. Uh, Design the strategic uh, areas uh, through a roadmap. This is a 15-year-old roadmap that is expected to take the health extension program to, to the next level. The first one is to ensure equitable access and utilization of essential health services. Uh, the second one is to improve to improve the quality of health services through the health extension program and Uh, The third one is to ensure sustainable finance financing and eliminate financial hardship from uh, health extension program services, as well as other services and strengthening community engagement and empowerment is the the fourth one and the fifth one is ensuring resilience by maintaining uh, provision of essential health services, as well as. Uh, being able to provide uh, health emergency services so this is something that COVID-19 taught us that we need to have a resilience system that can accommodate both the existing comprehensive essential health services as well as be able to accommodate health emergencies and the last one is uh, which is this is the pillar that sustained the health extension program for a while which is a strong political leadership and multisectoral engagement and partnership so these are our donors and stakeholders that work closely with us Um, this is our uh, tagline we say PHC without exception thank you very much
1: thank you uh for that insightful presentation and we appreciate your leadership role um, in promoting and strengthening primary healthcare in Ethiopia. So, with regards to question and answer, so anyone who have question and answer, you know, a question writer, you can just raise your hand and um, the guest speaker will respond to all the questions. Yeah, James.
4: About this. hearing it was really amazing. I, I have a couple of questions. The first one is on HIV programming and health systems, particularly in the background So, when we compare HIV programming and health systems, not HIV might
5: have more funding, that, that might even be more motivated. and then when thinking about the background of the Institute and you know your perspective on HIV I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on how we might leverage HIV within the space of health systems strengthening more broadly and the second question I have is public health institutes much like yours have come in the forefront particularly with the pandemic what are your thoughts on the role that public health institutes in Africa should play in the post-pandemic?
1: Thank you, James, for that brilliant question. Anyone? You format, do you have any question from there or anyone is waiting to ask question from Zoom?
0: Uh, we don't have any questions yet from zoom so we can
1: all right thank you okay
5: yeah i have a question about these different internship programs um i'm interested in learning more about them and i'm just curious like who's eligible and, and like how to like how to file sort of them oh, okay. Okay. The
4: yeah you mentioned two of them i believe okay.
1: All right, thank you. Anyone? Okay.
2: Um, at the end, when you were talking about kind of the overall program for resilience, you. you talked about how one of the things that we need consistently is um, like a supportive political and strong background. If those things were to change, what would you say? And this is quite like a broad question for kind of institutes that are aiming to achieve primary health care. Um, what would be like the first steps of trying to combat changing political?
4: Um,
1: narratives that may not support health efforts as much. Thank you. Uh, if Mona, I some question there.
0: No, well, we don't have a question here, so you guys can answer the questions in the audience. Um, but we would love for people in the audience as they're asking questions, if they can um, introduce themselves for those of us who are here on on Zoom watching.
1: Sure. All right. Thank you. So yeah, uh, Dr. Farhan, you want to respond? Yeah. Okay.
3: Okay. Um, thank you. I think um, the HIV question is an interesting one because I worked on HIV program for quite some time at the ministry and. This is something uh, that Ethiopia did, uh, maybe can be an example for other countries, is that how we tried to channel resources that were for HIV into strengthening health system. So in terms of infrastructure, because initially when the uh, funding portfolio started, uh, there was a lot of money. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, support in terms of uh, availing drugs, availing the taste, but there was no infrastructure and human resource to deliver those. So what was done was rather than, you know, having a, um, a vertical program, the HIV program was integrated within the existing health system. So when you strengthen human resource for HIV, you're going to strengthen your entire human resource and build the capacity. So we were able to justify to the major donors like global fund and prep for that building health system is is very critical and when the health systems were strengthened there was a real witness in change in achieving the targets than it was before so we can leverage and we also continued uh, leveraging not only resources but the lessons learned in terms of you know data management which was a strong HIV program compared to the other programs we also learned that Evidence-based decision-making is very critical in, in, in strengthening your program and achieving your target. So this was what was done. And I think a lot of countries actually are moving towards that, I can say. And it was it became uh, mandatory for major donors like Global Fund and PEFAR to push countries to budget for health system and strengthening uh, the existing infrastructure so that they would be able to deliver uh HIV programs and the HIV program that was uh there for a couple of years was used to strengthen other disease prevention and control programs uh like maternal and child health programs through uh the pmct program prevention maternal to child transmission and also other supply chain systems monitoring and evaluation systems so this is something that can be documented as a lesson and be shared um in terms of the pandemic uh institutions like us i think all organizations should start thinking about uh responding to public health emergencies is all about strengthening your health system so i'm i'm a very big fan of health systems. so you might keep uh, hearing from me saying health systems health systems but it is something that is uh that is a, a a pillar and that is a cornerstone for our our health response and I think the pandemic has shaken including our own health system I can speak for Ethiopia it's it's about accommodating what you are able to provide as a comprehensive health system and at the same time add an additional you know burdening uh, pandemic that requires a lot of things including your resource uh, your human capital and then your infrastructure. So, creating that uh, resilient system is one thing. The other thing is advocating advocating for surveillance system is very important. So you have to be able to pick the problem before it is pro- propagated and it has started causing you know a wider uh, challenge. So that's one thing. And an institute like ours can present different uh, you know evidences we can present case studies to help countries uh uh, work towards strengthening their health system so that's something that can be done Uh, another thing is capacity building so capacity building in terms of human resource and the biggest uh, component of your human resource is your leadership in the health system so strengthening your leadership and and managing uh, such outbreaks in managing comprehensive health system is very critical. Um, our internship program is is a recently uh, uh, started and launched program. We just had our first cohort. It's it has also been a learning curve for us, but we also get interns from GHU through the global the global uh, deployment. So we have uh, interns in the past and. We actually took the example from GHU to establish our own internship program. So what we do is uh, we have uh, announcement uh, that we post for applicants to to write an expression of interest. And we have a criteria, the applicants should be newly graduate students and and did not have a, a standing or a permanent job for the last six months. So this is our criteria we had about uh, 37 candidates during the first round. And we were, because of budget, we were only uh, able to host five of them. And they completed their six months uh, uh, in, in September, 2013, and 2021. And we were uh, we were able to witness that uh, they brought so much capacity to the institute, at the same time, learned from our different programs that we have. And we also, uh, Manage to network network them with the interns that are deployed through GHU, which we want to uh, strengthen and build on in the future. So that that is our internship program, and we are happy to have anybody if they're <laughs> interested to uh, to come and and uh, attach with our institute. Um, Changing political, uh, you know, background. This is some. Uh, turmoil most countries are going through. And usually when there is a change in political uh, leadership or political priority, the the, the hardest hit is health most of the time because it's about finances, it's about reshuffling your resources to something else. So uh, one of the things that can uh, support you is, is presenting you have to convince the political leadership to have a functional public health uh, intervention so you have to convince the leadership uh, through evidence generation so if you have adequate you know data that you can uh, change into evidence to co- to convince your your political leadership that this is a priority then that is something that can be done in terms of you know changing uh, political systems and leaderships.
1: We have, okay, we have a question from Zoom. So if you can introduce us and just mute and uh, you and you can ask a question.
0: So well, Sam, Sam Burke, you can ask your question on Zoom. Okay, so we're gonna pass Okay, if not, I'll read his question. So Sam Burke asked, um, when starting off the HEP program, what was your first step in implementing a framework? And he also asked, um, do you have any advice for an organization that wants to start off implementing a program? Um,
3: (laughs) The first advice would be uh, It depends on on the kind of organization that you want. But having a strong support from the government is something that is critical, and that's what helped this institute sustain so many challenges. There were so many dynamics, especially when you're a new organization. Uh, I think getting that kind of support and being able to really justify your purpose as as an organization is important and making sure that you have something unique that can stand out from the other organizations that are already existing is very critical in terms of establishing. So we managed to get all of those. Our approach was unique. We got a strong support from the government and that helped us uh, sustain uh, this institute and establish it.
0: Awesome, thanks. Um, then another question is from Solomon. Um, considering the current crisis in Ethiopia, how has it affected primary healthcare so far? And does the present system have the capacity to handle the aftermath of the health situation that will result from it? Yeah, um, I, I think the
3: crisis will, will first primary health care because that is something that is closer to the community. Uh, Honestly in terms of magnitude magnitude, we don't have a number because this is an ongoing process and it has not uh, stopped happening so the destruction of health facilities and the like it is still happening but what we can assume is the magnitude is going to be large because years and years of investment and years and years of commitment was required to build all that uh, health system, the health infrastructure, and even the health outcomes. So, uh, and the problem with 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 such health outcomes is you won't be able to see it right away, but you're gonna see it down the years, in two years, in, in three years. Then you'll be able to see that all those targets that were uh, achieved are going uh, to to decline, and that's the, that's the assumption, and. Uh, there is an assessment that is being done currently with given all the challenges with security and everything but there are assessments by the ministry of health they're, they're trying to assess uh, the situation on the ground and uh, there will be a, a significant effect especially on the primary health care as they are the first target all right thanks um then
0: another question from the zoom audience is Um, Would you be able to provide some more information about how one can get involved in the internship programs? Um, Where should they apply? Where should they find um, information to um, submit their interest in participating? Especially for those who are thinking about um, practicum opportunities that they can pursue um, through IHPC um, and fulfillment for the MPH. Okay,
3: um, I think Michael can speak more about the intern. So, our internship program is more of local. So we offer the internship program for Ethiopians that graduated there, but we also uh, support uh, students coming in and attaching in this project uh, through John Hopkins. So most probably you guys have a better information than i do uh, about how you can go through that system but that is still open uh, i i think Micah, you can say more later i don't know if there's yeah, anything
0: good the so, yeah let's finish the content questions and then... good yeah Awesome and another question from the zoom audience um is does the institute offer access to um, diagnosis and monitoring for non-communicable diseases, particularly cancer in Ethiopia, or is there any partnership with other programs to provide the care?
3: Okay. Um, Our institute is not directly involved in implementation of services, but rather work with the ministry who is the biggest implementer of services in country. Anything related to non-communicable disease is 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 uh, managed by the ministry alongside different stakeholders. And uh, there is a space where we can link anybody interested to work on NCDs with the ministry. We can do that, but we're not the direct implementers of the program. Okay, thanks. Um, thanks for answering
0: those questions. I think i hit the Zoom questions so far. Um, if anyone has questions in the audience, please, please feel free to raise your hand.
1: Um,
2: hi, Dr. Field, thank you so much for your presentation for your contributing to our country. And I'm also from your I'm a physician from and I wanted to know if there's any maternal child health program that this institution is working on.
3: Okay. Uh, As I have said, we don't, we usually focus on systems. So it's more on primary healthcare uh, systems, but it encompasses almost every non-communicable, communicable communicable maternal and child health program. So if you have an interest to engage with maternal and child health programs, we can link you to uh, the Ministry of Health currently implementing that. They have a separate department uh uh, called the mnch directorate so they they implement the programs and you can learn more from them but we also have a lot of resources so if you're interested in getting information about the health uh, related uh, you know publications information programming guidelines uh, in ethiopia and also in other countries you can visit our resource center we have a big repository uh, so I I think Ambulai can send the link to our resource center maybe for everyone later, and then you can access uh, any information and journals that you want from there.
1: Okay. Hi, Dr. Nagata, thank you so much for speaking. This has been really fascinating. Uh, my name is Matt Allard. I'm a first-year doctor, public health student. Um, back in 2005, I actually spent a month in Ethiopia. About a week of that in Addis, and then the rest of the traveling around
4: so I'm just curious what are some of the differences in the operating models for delivering primary health care for you know a dense city like Addis versus more like remote villages
3: okay um, the, this I, I would like to start by saying that this is one of the things that we're struggling uh, as, as a country I think this concern is is also related uh, I mean Almost all other countries are facing the same challenge. So mostly when you design community health programs, they're usually designed for uh, rural areas and more remote areas. And what we do is we try to implement those in urban areas. And sometimes there is this design problem that doesn't help it work. So what we did, what, that's what we did as a country. We designed uh, the health extension program for the rural and then tried to implement that in the urban setting. And there were so many challenges in terms of uh, the burden of disease and the, the socioeconomic difference and and uh, the population des- density, how you manage that. So the, the the ministry decided to optimize what was existing. So uh, there is a primary difference in, in the urban and rural setting, the urban, setting doesn't have a health post which is an extension of the health centers but the ruler has health posts which is an extension of health centers that's where the health extension programs are uh, professionals are located so what they did is they they uh they used the health center as 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 an outpost for for the health extension workers to work from but at the same time they created a team uh that they call family health team, and this team comprises of different health professional cadres from the health center that provide service to the urban setting, including, you know, diagnosis and treatment of non-communicable disease in the community, because the, the, the epidemiologic difference uh between the, the the urban and the ruler was very uh, uh, there was a significant difference between the disease burden and and uh the population socioeconomic problems so they modified the existing urban uh uh yes. urban systems but we're still working on uh, in terms of governance and how they should be managed uh in terms of you know stratifying the population and categorizing the your urban population because you have urban slum versus the normal urban areas so you have to make sure that you categorize your problems and then map your service accordingly so currently that's what's been implemented it has been piloted and currently being scaled up in in uh, in urban and semi-urban areas yes Uh,
4: my question is uh program and institution uh, seem like one of the strong side in the region. So, what is the potential to replicate the same program and institution in other countries which have like similar health contexts, like or other LMICs? Mm-hmm. Any uh, training opportunities or any other facilities for that?
3: Um, we haven't thought about venturing out ourselves, but we have this uh, plan to create network with other institutes within Africa so that we'll be able to replicate what we provide to other countries. But even with our existing system, uh, since we bring in uh, you know delegates and participants from our uh, other countries to our institute, the thinking is that they will learn from What this institute is doing learn from the existing health system in Ethiopia and be able to replicate that and the way we provide our training program is we have buckets so the first one is bucket one where you provide this uh, face-to-face training and then they go to the the health facilities and learn hands-on from from the health providers and the like but we also have bucket two and bucket three And the bucket two is we provide technical assistance remotely, virtually. And bucket three is we deploy teams to actually go to those countries and then start uh, providing technical assistance to strengthen their health systems and the like. So this is how we're doing it.
4: No question.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you all so much for answering those questions. So now um, we'd like to welcome uh, Michael for the um, opportunity remarks.
2: Well, thank you for some great questions and thank you for um, answering them all so knowledgeably and and thoughtfully. Um, So uh, there's clearly some interest, which is wonderful in figuring out ways to be engaged with this work. Um, So there are a couple of things. One is that we have a research assistant uh, graduate student position open right now. Um, It's uh, to work on the global curriculum work that the Institute is doing, which is their um, sort of core content uh, for for these uh, delegations and different stakeholders from other countries um, to learn about Ethiopia's uh, primary healthcare system and also some of those sort of core uh, concepts around PHC and, and global best practices. So, this was a curriculum that was originally designed for in person training uh, for groups to come to Ethiopia, and then, as uh, Dr. Freywald said, also to support sort of in country uh, support for. Um, for other countries across the region. And because of COVID, that whole curriculum is being moved into an online format. And so um, that's a a large project. And we're recruiting an additional graduate student to work on that with us. And that includes sort of um, working on anything from graphic design to bringing in expert uh, speakers, to figuring out um, some of the sort of how we build some interactive uh, learning engagement opportunities on an online platform preparing to pilot test that course, do an evaluation of it, things like that. So that will be a position um, that's coming around in Brandon Howard's weekly email to the International Health Department, which if you're not on that list, you should definitely be on that list. Um, it will also be coming around to the MPH students. If neither of those groups sort of capture you, which may very well be the case, definitely feel free to reach out to Ambuli, to me. Um, and we can get that information to you as well. So we'll be accepting applications for that position starting immediately. Um, In terms of the internship program, so, so far we've been working through the Center for Global Health, uh, Global Health Established Field Placement uh, System, um, which has worked really well um, for for us. Um, There's usually only one slot though. Um, And so we've been talking with the Institute about ways that we could um, potentially create some additional spaces for um, additional Hopkins students to, be able to be part of the program from our side and and then have their counterparts in Ethiopia. So um, the global health established field placement uh, process usually happens between like about January and March. So keep an eye out for more emails and information about that. Um, And probably around that same timeline, we'll also be talking about ways that we can um, make some additional slots available and we'll be able to share more information. We do have a, a page on the, school of public health's website um, under the centers and institutes um, in the international health department there's not a whole lot of information there but we're trying to do a better job of keeping it updated and there's also definitely you know some contact information and stuff there as well so that's a good place to keep an eye out for both new courses and things that are coming down the pipeline as well as this kind of opportunity Um, other than that um i think uh you know, definitely keep an eye out um, from the Institute side as well. Um, They've been staffing up and also sometimes have other opportunities for, um, you know, shorter term consultancies and things like that. So depending on what your interests are and where you're based and what you're thinking about doing next, um, definitely a good thing to keep uh, an eye on. So uh, if you have other questions or other skill sets or other things that you'd like to bring to the table, um, definitely, feel free to be in touch with me um, and uh, and with uh, Dr. Freud as well. And um, happy to talk more. So I think I think that's it. Have I forgotten anything? Okay, great. Thank you. Uh,
1: thank you so much, uh, Michael. She's uh, a very hardworking woman. So if you're having any issue and you have an interest working with the institute, you can reach her. So we have our closing remarks that will be done by our, uh, our faculty advisor to so the African Public Health network Is that is that they'll be here.
5: I want to uh, thank everyone for coming today. Um, as was mentioned earlier, uh, Friday afternoon is not the ideal time to get people together, but I think we have, uh, with both online and in-person, uh, over 35 people. So that's good for, for any day of the week, uh, especially under the present circumstances. So I wanna thank uh, all the attendees for, for coming, but I especially want to thank uh, Dr. Freywell for taking time out of her busy schedule. She has a lot of people to meet, a lot of work to get done while she's here. And I'm very glad she had the opportunity to share with you some real life examples of what's happening in uh, primary health care in Ethiopia. I want to thank uh, Micah for and her team for um, also helping to organize this, as well as the executive and members of the African Public Health uh, uh, Network. Uh, one thing that's important, the network does, this is uh, one of hopefully several activities that will be going on during the year, and hopefully you can take advantage of those. There are social media, um accounts that you can keep track of what's going on we have a podcast occasionally uh so it's important to take advantage of these resources to learn what's happening about health uh, in in africa um it's unique this uh, international uh primary health care institute um as uh, was mentioned they have just gotten started in 2016 but they've lived through some challenging organizational, and of course, as we've seen with COVID, challenging uh, disease situations, and they've survived, they've grown, uh, they have strengthened their, uh, their different pillars and different uh, missions. Uh, one thing that's uh, important is that they have expanded their learning, both opportunities, both online and in person, so they have a greater reach across the whole continent. And again, hopefully, some of the courses that they are offering, you might even be able to, to link in and see some of those um, during, during the upcoming year. So they are a valuable resource. But I think what they are reflecting, and, and one of the reasons, justifications for their establishment, was helping the world learn about what Ethiopia has been doing Uh, as Dr. Frewell said, for the past 30 years. uh, A number of countries have uh, primary health care policies. They have primary health care guidelines. They have primary health care goals, but very few have institutionalized primary health care all the way to the community level through, as she mentioned, 40,000 health extension workers. This is a major accomplishment that's been maintained over all of these years, despite many difficulties. So I think uh, you've been very fortunate today to be able to learn more about this. And hopefully you'll be stimulated to look up more about what's going on in Ethiopia, compare it to what's happening in Nigeria, compare it what's happening in, in Ghana and other countries. Um, because uh, again, this is uh, Ethiopia has been a, a guiding light for us in this area. So uh, thank you all for attending again, and again, keep in touch so you can find out more about what APHN is doing in the coming months. Take care.
1: Thank you. Uh, Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Bigart, for that um, close remark. So now on the agenda we have in coalition of UN networking. Um, I just want to emphasize that we cannot eat, you know, on um, in the in the classroom. So you can just go to the bag, take the food, and just you know take it away with you. Yeah. So thank everyone for coming, and we're glad having everyone here. Thank you. Thank you.